Hello, everyone, and welcome to another riveting edition of Under the Floorboards, where we laugh at the creatures that go bump in the night. I am your host, John, joined as always by my beautiful co-host, Eric. How are you this week? Fabulous. Feeling a little psychotic this week. I was going to come in with it. I live on the first floor of my mother's house <laughs> <laughs> and bring the whole thing together. Yeah. <laughs> but they've already read the title, so they know it's coming. Yeah, welcome to it, guys. This week we did American Psycho. Super classic movie. Um, I actually hadn't seen this until like much later on in my life, yeah. um, which is funny because this is a movie that we've watched that we were both alive for. Right. <laughs> you know, and like, and I feel like, yeah, and you were talking about it earlier when we were watching the movie that like it felt like patrick bateman was just like this ultimate character for the giga chads of the world and they were just like i want to be like that douche when i grow up yeah it was him and uh what's his face from um fight club oh jared leto brad pitt's character from fight Club. oh yeah what's the dude's name i can't remember tyler durden tyler durden yeah that's it they're the same character right yeah they're the same picture take. yeah <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah i agree and i feel like this movie represented like a really weird niche for a while where like it was either one of those things that like you were a toxic male for liking this movie <laughs> or you're a sadist for liking this movie or you read too deeply into things that don't have that much depth you know and it's kind yeah. it's like the demographic that enjoys american psycho from 2000 2001 and like when they first saw it when it came out is always fascinating to me because they usually fall into one of those three categories. Yeah, and I, I, I let's go ahead and actually knock out the itinerary real quick because we've got some pretty fucking heavy hitters in this movie. Okay. <laughs> Mary Heron is the director for this one. Um, she also co-wrote the movie along with Brett Easton Ellis and Guinevere Turner. Uh, Guinevere Turner incidentally played Elizabeth later on in the movie, which is kind of uh, which is kind of funny to me. Yeah, I like when writers and directors can get to play a part in the movie itself. Mm. Uh, Christian Bale, of course, Patrick Bateman, Justin Thoreau is Timothy Bryce, Josh Lucas is Craig McDermott, Bill Sage is David Van Patten, Chloe Savini is Jean, Reese Witherspoon is Evelyn Williams, Samantha Mathis is Courtney Rawlinson, Matt Ross is Louis Carruthers, Jared Leto as Paul Allen, Willem Dafoe is Donald Kimball, and Kara Seymour is Christy, Guinevere Turner, like I said, Elizabeth. I'm going to stop there because they start getting names that are just waiter number one after that. <laughs> So homeless guy number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yep. we had a pretty fucking all star cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was re- it was really cool. I remember watching this the first time and yeah, I was I think I was like thirteen, thirteen or fourteen when I saw this the first time. Mm-hmm. And there are just so many lines that like I wasn't you know, I wasn't idolizing Patrick Bateman, but there were so many moments where it was just like, are you look at, are you going to look at it or are you going to eat it? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I'm like that 13 year old kid. It's like, write that down. About eating butt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to download that line and say it at some point when I'm hanging out with my friends, when it will be almost as funny as it was the first time I heard it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're like after football practice in the locker room and they're like eating yeah, each other, like looking at each other's oh, buttholes and stuff. Yeah. I can smell the fucking axe, Phoenix. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> well, that was the thing, was like during like actual gym class, that's where you could taste the aerosol axe in the air. Yeah, dude. Most of the dudes that were in the on the football team did not use deodorant. Oh, wow. And, oh, it was bad. That's great. It was bad. Like, it, it, I'm not, which one's worse, do you think? Being as an asthmatic. Oh, being encumbered axe. by axe, it, I was going to say, yeah. Because <laughs> people just like straight up spray it in the air, too. I know, and walk through it. <laughs> like it's what like... are you doing? 
It's like uh, beautiful from fucking uh, the Chappelle show from mm-hmm. the hate the player haters. Like yeah. hit me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gym class was like in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I was that kid that I loved playing sports and doing active things. Mm. Hated gym class. Sure. Didn't want to go. Sure. I always felt awkward because like this story is not true. Um, but I would like, you know, you have your, like your locker and shit. And I don't know if it's just like my native blood in me or whatever, but I would like, you know, get dressed for gym class. I pull like 12 knives out of my fucking pocket. And put it there in. you go. Yeah. <laughs> and our school wasn't even that hard. Right. Like right. we never had school shooters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a lot of like, I don't know. We just had a lot of fights. We were a fight school. Yeah. We had a lot. It of, was weird because it was mostly the girls. Too. See, that's the best too. Yeah, because like, like, and guys, for y- those of you who are listening, it's it's not even just because it's hotter. Um, <laughs> it's it's more, <laughs> th- girls are savage fighters. One hundred percent. They're gra- they're grabbing yeah. hair. Uh-huh. They're clawing titties. They're yeah. punching tanks. There aren't like- <laughs> street rules like nothing below the belt kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because if you punched a dude in the dick in a fight at school, yeah. That classified your and your sexuality for yeah. the duration of your. He's you a know. closeted homosexual. Yes. <laughs> so you just didn't do it because the fear of being called gay in 2004 was way worse than getting punched in the dick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you would just take it, right? Uh, well, there was a point, man, where like you know, there's also the people who do like the friendly like sack taps and shit like that. And yeah. I was like, I would watch it happen in some of my friend circles, and I was like. If you do it to me, I better not get back up because I'm I'm not gonna punch you in the dick. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna punch you in the fucking chest. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. My goal now is to stop your fucking heart. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've only ever been uh, hit in the nuts by women. So, um, I. What What do you do? You fall on the ground and fucking try not to kill yourself. <laughs> that's that's the longest two or three minutes of anybody's life, dude. <laughs> And actually, before we get into the story, I have <laughs> I have one I have one story about this in particular. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take us long to start talking about dicks. Does yeah, it? I'm it telling really you, doesn't. I'm telling you. Uh, but I was at the YMCA and I was doing like this after school program thing. And they were like they always do like outside time. Like you didn't just have gym class at mm. fucking school. And I like <laughs> we're playing flat touch football touch football and there was this really skinny girl who was probably like a foot taller than me at the time and i was pretty tall i was pretty tall i was already like 5'11 yeah and i'm like i catch the ball and i'm running down the field fucking larry the cucumber yeah and and i'm about to try you know when you try and look cool like for no reason like yeah (laughs) you're just about to flaunt she was the last person that i had to run past and i get like maybe two or three feet in front of her with my momentum and i go for the juke Mm -hmm. and she like goes back into defensive stance and fucking kicks me in the balls (laughs) so hard that i threw up like i was yeah i'm like throwing up while i'm falling (laughs) instantaneous it's like kick ass two to six stick (laughs) just you got you got fucking gumby bro you got you got inspector gadgeted i'm on the ground like my penis 
fucking big patty over uh, here took dude, you down. <laughs> her fucking reach was nuts. I girl nice. could have been a WNBA nice. player. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and of course, like Mr. Randall, who was our fucking, they had like this weird thing where like the spawn, the not sponsors, the fucking uh, babysitters or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, you would call counselors, them like probably. counselor. Yeah. You call them Mr. or Mr. And then their first name. Yeah. <laughs> which was really weird. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah, everyone's like circling around me and I'm like, it looks like it should have been one of those scenes from the Sandlot where the camera's like looking up. Right. <laughs> Is he dead? <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, my penis. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyways. Ten it, minutes down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into the next dick of the film. Right. Uh, Mr. Christian Bale. So Patrick Bateman. We start off with this very Reservoir Dogs style intro right mm-hmm. like it's very like we're introduced except we're introducing characters that ultimately don't matter uh-huh. at all we just know that one of them's an anti-semite mark that <laughs> mark the part about not knowing who these characters are yeah <laughs> this is going to help eric prove his point about this movie at the very end of this discussion okay but like, yeah he, he, oh this is a chick's restaurant <laughs> I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Caesar arugula salad. See, that pissed me off because <laughs> I, I do like a deconstructed Caesar dressing as well. Mm-hmm. But like if you, if they're talking about like they did Caesar dressing and put it on arugula, mm-hmm. you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like that is some of the like weakest fuck. Like I just couldn't imagine putting 10 pounds of fucking mayonnaise on top of arugula and calling it a salad. You right. know? That's like covering it blue cheese dressing. That, that McDonald's shaker cup that you used to be able to buy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking Thousand about. Thousand Island. God damn. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude. I don't even think they really make that anymore. They like, don't. Well, they, they didn't make Thousand Island. It was just oh, Big yeah. Mac sauce. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that, they would just call it Thousand Island. <laughs> It was like it was like fucking Thousand Island with like sixty more grams of sugar in it. <laughs> Why are my pickles sweet? Now? How come I'm not losing weight? <laughs> I'm eating salad. Why am I not losing weight? I saw super size me and they said I should eat salad instead of the burgers. <laughs> I'll see you on the heat call. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, stop other- eating at McDonald's, guys. It's not good for you. You know that. Yeah. Other than eat at chick f- restaurants <laughs> like this place. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> I think like maybe, and I'm not trying to call our listeners poor. I just know that I'm poor. Yeah. <laughs> I think like maybe sixty percent of our listeners could afford mm-hmm. to eat at this fucking place on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. This was like date night two three times a year kind of place this is valentine's day this place is egregious Mm -hmm. like in the in the shit that they were making like i was looking at some of the plating and i was like god you look like an asshole Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretentious plating has always driven me crazy and this was before like that started being like uncool to plate stuff that way it's it was always just don't yeah that's that's kind of my thing is when i when i started uh, as a sous chef at fabian's uh one of the things i like i was i would do that a lot and my uh chef would always be like you really love gilding the lily don't you mm-hmm. and it took me forever to realize what the fuck that meant because mm-hmm. i didn't know what gilded meant mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, am I am I murdering the lily? <laughs> right. Am I having sex with the lily? Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> right. Yo, my mom gilded me last night, dude. She was. <laughs> Yo, my dog gilded my neighbor's dog, and now we got puppies, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gilded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, we're finding out that everyone kind of just works on Wall Street, right? Yeah, everybody's sort of that investment banker, marketing, just business. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you remember the thing I'm that I always think about. business is when we would get, like, they would put us on those fast tracks in middle school, right? Like, it's eighth mm-hmm. grade. At least this is how they do it in North Carolina. Um, it's eighth grade, and you got to figure out what you want to be when you grow up because your mm-hmm. high school courses are going to be based off of your decision here, which means your college classes are probably going to be based off the decision that you make here, which is a great thing to put into the control of a 14-year-old. <laughs> um, oh, and trade school is not until after you graduate. They didn't if even tell said- us about trade yeah. school. Yeah, they just assumed we were going to be doctors and lawyers. <laughs> They know they're in North Carolina. Right? <laughs> I'm surprised y'all even have doctors down here. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't been to one in like three years, so I can't confirm because I can't afford to because I put business down on my thing. My point being that the way that they ex- they describe and explain business to you in middle school is exactly the way that I'm imagining this sequence. Yeah. Right? Nobody has any idea what your actual job is or role is in this company. Mm-hmm. They forget your name. They they know you by the suit that you wear and who you might be dating right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? And that's the whole vibe. Everybody's got American Express platinum cards. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> goes to the same barber. You know? I thought it was funny that all of them paid with separate business cards. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was right. like, you would think like one person would just put it on the expense account mm-hmm. instead of like everybody being like, well, I know I had $500 worth of food and you had $500 worth of food right. and you had $500 worth of scotch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which at this restaurant was probably one scotch. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get this sense of just, this is, this is pure hedonism. This is pure, the, the fucking lap of luxury right Mm -hmm. everybody has a driver they're all dating blonde people you know (laughs) mark that um you're a dirty blonde aren't you and the they go to this bar after dinner and we see patrick's first outburst right the Mm -hmm. bartender is like yo like these tickets don't work cards don't work it's a cash only bar and he's like you're a fucking bitch (laughs) i'm gonna stab you in the neck and fuck your corpse play around with your blood (laughs) <laughs> and honestly, like the the shot is really cool because like uh, you're watching and listening to him say this while the bartender is turned around. The bartender is still in view, but she's facing the wall and above the wall is a mirror. So we see yeah. Christian Bale's performance. And I mean, as soon as she even started to turn, his facial expression turned on a dime. Mm-hmm. And that's when you knew that this guy was going to be one of the greatest actors of all time. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care what people's opinions are about Christian Bale. That dude's the fucking goat. Mm -hmm. Everything that I've ever watched him in, he has completely thrown himself into. Harsh Times wasn't even a good movie, and he was fucking awesome. You remember when he was Moses? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) And that movie sucked dick! (laughs) I know. Let my people Jew. (laughs) 
<laughs> there will just never be a better Exodus representation than the Prince of Egypt, and I'll die on that hill. Well, totally, because those like, were brown people. Right, right. <laughs> instead, instead of Christian Bale. I was like, what is this fucking type? Fucking Charlton Heston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we... We're starting to get like this insight into his like psychosis, right? I live on the seventieth floor of the Garden State Building. I use an almond buttercream exfoliating lotion for my skin. Then I exfoliate with something else, and then I <laughs> rub cream all over myself, and then I try not to look like a homosexual when I leave my apartment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it just ends with like this really good line of just I am simply not there. Yep. Wanna point out? Little subtext here. He is staring. You can see his reflection on the glass of the poster from the play Les Mis, yeah. right? Which is, as we know, about liberation and mm-hmm. French Revolution and all of that kind of stuff. So he clearly worships the idea of being freed from the oppression of society that he lives in, right? Right. So, ooh, now we're getting <laughs> into the good stuff. Now we're getting into the good stuff, right? I love Les Mis. Cut too. to, I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> What, what, I'm, what people think I'm listening to and what I'm actually listening yeah. to. <laughs> I brought this point up with you when we were watching the movie, but I want our podcasters to know that my favorite thing about that meme of him walking into work with the headphones on, listening to something ridiculous that doesn't match his expression or what he's wearing or what he does in life, is simply that what he's looking at or what he's actually listening to in the scene is no less ridiculous than anything else that people put <laughs> over that. You know? Yeah, no, 100%. And we get uh, our introduction to Gene. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is his secretary and (laughs) every interaction that they have is like the most toxically masculine thing that you could imagine. How can I put this woman down? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I assert myself Mm -hmm. over her? Which later in the movie, I do have like my own kind of qualms with how they kind of wrote. It felt like they were writing her off mm-hmm. a little bit, but that's a that's a whole other thing. But get, getting into like they do get well, I'll say this at the end. I think yeah, when so, we talk about Jean at the end, remind me and I'll say this. Okay, so we get into uh, the office, and you know, Jean comes in and is like, "Hey, so this person's calling." He's like, "I'm not here. I need you know." He's doing like the the quick banter of like, "I need reservations here and this that and the other. Make it fucking happen." And he's like, "By the way, Jean." Don't ever wear that to the office again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like a little bit like genial about it. She was just like, what? You don't like it? He's like, right. no, I hate it. And wear high heels next time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> chop, chop, bitch. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Bateman. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to a- have sex with you later, maybe. <laughs> And there's that line of Gene, just say no. I will say, there's not a whole lot that I like about Patrick Bateman. One thing that people have got to get better at in life is just saying no. No excuses, no bullshit, just say no. That is such a powerful thing to be able to realize within yourself that you can just say, no, I'm not going to that. Why? I said no. Yeah, because like Patrick Bateman was pretty much like, your heels would actually look better as earrings kind of shit. (laughs) Right, right. During like almost every exchange that they have. And it's so sad because Gene just didn't deserve that. No, but there were plenty of them that did. Getting into. Cut to Evelyn. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Played by the one and only Reese Witherspoon. Uh Um, And it's just so funny that like their dynamic literally could have been shown in just that shot. I know. Nobody had to say anything. They did. Because I, I'm trying to listen to the new Robert Palmer tape, but my supposed fiance Evelyn won't stop buzzing in my ear. <laughs> what? <laughs> and 
it, it was just so funny because like her character just like could not shut the fuck up. But what I was what I was going to point out was just that sh- that picture reference yeah. of him with his headphones in, looking out the window, completely disengaged, and her just like we're gonna get married i'm like no you're not 100 mm-hmm. <laughs> percent. and then as it turns out she is the daughter of the firm that he works for right which i guess is a business firm i thought they were a lo- i thought he was a lawyer for the longest time <laughs> <laughs> maybe a business card manufacturer yeah <laughs> it's called bone silly eggshell white <laughs> you fucking douche. Uh, anyways, uh, so they're on their way to meeting uh, some, I guess, friends. Friends is like the most loose term that we'll use in yeah. this movie. Uh, old girl even says, those two goth kids over there are my brother and his girlfriend or something like that. You yeah, know? the people from The Cure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the industrial punks that are at the end of our table. Yeah. Yeah, and like only one of them had a line, too, and it was completely like... That affects us. <laughs> man <laughs> come on man like mm-hmm. they look like they were the kind of people that would go to a festival like three or four days beforehand and hide drugs uh, in the ground <laughs> and dig them up when they got there like the boyfriend looked like he ate heroin <laughs> right <laughs> i'd say with a spoon but i think that's like a given <laughs> Uh, clap, clap it up, up. clap it up for John. And ch- 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 chopping it up. Um, <laughs> but we start having uh, this. I-, I love the inner monologues mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Bateman's character has a lot because this is actually one of my preferred ones where he's just like, he's talking about one of the other girls that is at the table who is clearly dating someone who is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the parting of the hair. Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely had, like, the non-binary, like... <laughs> bangs. Yeah, the, the <laughs> non-binary bangs. Right. And he was ginger. And <laughs> I got a middle part in bangs so people would know I'm queer. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turns out, he was, like... He was talking about one of the other characters, and their names are just not important. Yeah, they're completely inconsequential. Um, but he was like, that's actually the only interesting person that I know. And I, I wonder if she knows that I think that they're, that they're having an affair. I also wonder if she knows that I'm actively having an affair with this person's wife. (laughs) Courtney. (laughs) He was like, she was almost perfect. And I was like, what do you mean by that? You could you could have had Reese Witherspoon. Right. He's like she's got a raging drug addiction. For example, I think right now she's on Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> this is the girl that sticks Klonopin in her butt at noon and then fucking drinks r- white wine for the rest of the day. <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, she's going to the rallies with her boyfriend. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Shots fired at the 1975. <laughs> they broke up. Did they? They broke up. Was it because he was a Nazi? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Apparently, it was just a fling. He was a rebound. Oh, you're talking about um, him and Taylor. I thought you were talking yeah. about the 1975s. <laughs> what are you talking about? I am talking about the 1975, dude. Oh, I thought you were saying that he and Taylor Swift broke up. They did. Okay, I thought you were saying that the 1975s broke up. No, 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 no. That- I see what you're saying. <laughs> The 1975s, you're so cute. You don't listen to indie music at all. No, I don't. 
I really don't. As I've been told recently, I exclusively listen to sad white girl music, and I'll I'll own that. Yeah, I'll own that. One hundred percent. We're like going to Mad Monster, and he's got like fucking borderline lo-fi. On. I, I was listening to Phoebe Bridgers, is what I was listening to, and people that know know. But that's the kind of music I like. You can like it, and like and like math rock progressive metal shit is the other genre that i listen yeah, to totally and that's pretty much it yeah and you can totally like those things <laughs> but we're going to a fucking party <laughs> sometimes i think i'm a killer and here i am want to put my fucking face against the fucking pavement while you're driving <laughs> anyways so we're go- we're getting through like this awkward date and like I will say these scenes jump around really quickly, which is actually quite nice because mm-hmm. like it kind of it helps with the pace a lot. Um, but we get to uh, there's this phone call that's happening in uh, Bateman's apartment and he's calling. Um, God, what is the bitch's name? Courtney. Courtney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, you know, taking some taking some quaaludes at noon and fucking drinking white wine in her bed. Mm-hmm. And he's just like. Well, I know that you don't do anything because all you do is fuck me and this, that, and the other. And, yeah. the, and the whole time, all you hear in the background is, ah, ah, ah. Right. He's watching a tape called Inside Lydia's Ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the 90s never died. Right. Yeah, dude. Parts 1 through 12. <laughs> Lydia only. Lydia's only not in seven. <laughs> it's just a POV. It's just inside. It's quite literally. It's like Magic School Bus. You know what I mean? It's a fucking picture from um, uh, Anaconda. Yeah, John, yeah, dude. John, John Voight's going up. <laughs> the people that like that meme are real ones. I don't care. I realize that my sense of humor is equivalent to my taste in music, and it's for nobody but me. But that was funny you just didn't get it yeah totally um and we we cut to um dorsey is nice dorsey is nice yeah he's like i'll get us a reservation there and that was like one of the best parts and i think uh something that you're going to talk about later is uh the idea that bateman is no one because he the whole movie he can't get a reservation at Dorcia's. Dorcia represents the um, the unattainable high of highs, right? It yeah. represents what Paul Allen can achieve or what other people can achieve, but he somehow can't get there, right? It's what the French Laundry was in the 90s. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> but um, he, he quite literally like goes in there with Courtney. He's like, hi, I'm Paul Allen. I have a reservation for 830. And he's like, great, come sit down. And again, that's important because nobody knows who Paul Allen is either. Mm-hmm. They, they just, you know what I mean? And granted, it's a reservation at a restaurant that was probably made over a phone. So, mm-hmm. But there's this idea that Paul somehow was in with Dorcia. And it's interesting to me that nobody knew that he wasn't Paul. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, so it's not like they that. ID you at a fucking reservation. Right, but you would just think that like the 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 host would have seen Paul Allen before. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and during the thirty other times he's been there over the course of the last year, right? <laughs> or should I say month? Because all anybody tries to do in this movie is get a reservation for dinner. And they make a real big point of that at the end too, yeah. where he's just like, "I'm not going to go anywhere without a reservation." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that that line from earlier. I was on the verge of tears when I realized that we wouldn't get a decent table. <laughs> Psychosis is powerful. 
Yeah, I'm telling you. And that's actually really shown in this next scene where we cut to all of the businessmen uh-huh. doing a business in the business firm. Uh-huh. And they're just like, they all start pulling out their different uh, uh-huh. uh, business cards. And fucking. So we start off with Patrick, and everyone's like, oh my God, it's so nice. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, thanks. That it's is really bone. something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like talking about the complexion of white mm-hmm. that is that is on the mm-hmm. card. And I will say, and I, I bitched about this while I was watching the movie, is everyone else that pulls their card out is textured, and I fucking hate textured business cards. I think they look fucking yep. stupid, and I just don't understand why you took a steel roller over top of it instead of just cutting it. <laughs> I just don't think it adds anything to it. In fact, in my case, it actually makes them harder to read. Um, the the tiny the tiny tiny shadows. Yeah, on it. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's <laughs> the less effective. Are too deep. <laughs> <laughs> you also pointed out that every single one of them said vice president, which again drives that point home that nobody actually has a job here. Right. Yeah, you know, and, they just like, handle accounts. I never noticed that. Yeah. The first like the first handful of times watching that movie. And like this time I was like, they're not all the vice president. Because mm-hmm. like even when uh even when Christian Bale pulls his out, I was like, oh, that's wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Right. <laughs> that their titles are fucking meaningless. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they're just yuppies at the end of the day. But, and But that, I was say, if you want to talk about that in, inner monologue. Well, you know, I was just going to, I was going to just draw attention to the fact that they all agreed that Paul Allen had the best card. Right. And that really sends Bateman over the edge. And it, what's funny to me about this scene, it's pretty surface level humor. I mean, it's it's the fact that they're all more or less identical to right. each other you know and that's the humor of yeah. it right it's white with black print on it and that's <laughs> and but they're that they would be so detail oriented and have Egg to be shell cream. i know oh god it even has a watermark <laughs> yeah. he fucking drops the card <laughs> and lewis is like uh patrick you're sweating <laughs> patrick mm-hmm but Paul's like, I can't, I can't play squash today. I've got to go. I got an eight thirty res at Dorcia, and it's like, how do you swing that? You know. So there's the legend With of Dorcia, <laughs> right? The legend of Dorcia and Paul Allen continues to build, right? Um, on his way home from work, he uh, uh, comes across a homeless man, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the homeless guy? I just think that this dialogue was fucking incredible because it was like. It, it wasn't even just psychotic. It was so fucking bipolar. Yeah. Because he was just like... But it, it just treaded between like that and this sense of superiority and like this... There was like so many like psychoactive elements that went into this scene that was really fucking crazy. Because mm-hmm. he starts off with like walking by this homeless guy and he's just like, Hey, Mr. Homeless Guy, would you like some money? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's cold out here. Would you like some more money? And he like he's like, yeah, man, thank you. This is so amazing. And this, that, and the other. He's like, you know, you're scum, right? Like, what? <laughs> you're a you're a loser. You're a fucking loser. My favorite is how you almost said the exact quote. <laughs> Just stop yourself. <laughs> and people who know know that's incredible. I love that. Uh, but, yeah. but you're right. It is. It is. It is like black and white. <laughs> so Why don't you get a job? I lost my job. Why are you such is a fucking? Is it because you're loser? drinking all the time? You smell like poop. <laughs> 
you smell homeless. <laughs> and he takes a knife out and just kills the dude. He takes the knife out of his briefcase and kills the dude. And at, like, the, the, the best part about that exchange is he puts the briefcase down on the ground. And this is after all of the crazy shit. That Bateman has that just came out of his mouth. <laughs> right. The the homeless guy is still just like, oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate right. it because he's opened up the briefcase like he's gonna get more money, and then he just starts fucking releasing this dude's guts. <laughs> and the dog's like, oh shit, and then he starts <laughs> kicking the shit out of the dog too. <laughs> oh, he didn't kick the dog. He stomped the dog yeah. to death. <laughs> A kick is something you can survive. What he did was crush his cerebellum. Unless you're at a YMCA, <laughs> am I right? And fucking Big Patty's got the bead on you at the cornerback position. That you can... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I popped a testicle. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> now he only has two balls. <laughs> well, technically three. <laughs> I think it's split. <laughs> Speaking of split, we're going to go ahead and say this is for kill number 1.5. Yes, because the dog was so brutal that it did count for not technically human, but technically a kill. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> still more of a kill than we got from the conjuring. Yes, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yo, we got a dog and the black guy. <laughs> oh, God, the black guy dies first in American Psycho. Yeah, it was 2000. Jesus Christ. <laughs> House on Haunted Hill hadn't even been remade yet. Oh, this is so frustrating. <laughs> Tay Diggs was the savior that, that the community deserved. It is amazing how often that happens. Like oh, I, totally. I know that's a joke, but it's amazing how often that happens. Yeah, totally. God damn. And actually, uh, I'll do a quick split real quick for uh, our our indie spotlight for a second, actually. Uh, on that note, if you guys have not checked it out yet, make sure you're checking it out on Instagram, The Blackening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a slasher, slasher, mystery, murder. It's like, it's very Saw-esque, it seems like to me. And I have not had a chance to watch it yet because it is not available on streaming, but make sure you're following them on Instagram to find out how you can watch this and when you can mm-hmm. watch this. And they're actually doing an HBCU tour right now. Um, and what's incredible about that movie is what hooked me was just the hook line, which was, you can't kill all of us first. Right. And I am so fucking ready to watch mm-hmm. that. No, I'm excited for this one too, because it it gives me uh, it gives me like uh, sort of like like Jordan Peele vibes, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like there's like an element of comedy that's embedded in this, in the tongue and cheek nature of it. So it's I think it's going to be a really good one. Yeah, I th- I think this is going to be really fun. I'm really yeah. excited. So guys, make sure you're checking that out. Let Back- me make sure that Jordan Peele didn't work on this movie before I just say that. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He only likes one word to right. two word. Uh, <laughs> I know the. <laughs> okay, we're good. I have a document in my phone that just says Robert. <laughs> and I don't know what that means. Delete it and just put the blackening. Right. <laughs> but again, guys, make sure you're checking that out and keeping up to date on all of our indie spotlights that are coming out this year. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Spa day. <laughs> Your skin is so soft, Mr. Bateman. So tight and clean. I always hate when people say that their skin's tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tight. <laughs> it's like a weird word for fat, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not an antonym. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your skin's looking a little tight there, buddy. Right. Because <laughs> it's like Mrs. Doubtfire when he does the facelift with the strings on the eyebrows and everything. Wow. 
I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Devine. Because <laughs> <laughs> a buddy of mine was talking to me about it the other day because he's been having some dietary issues. and uh, He's looking a little tight. Not even that. It's It's more so like he's getting older. Yeah. So like bloating is just kind of like a thing. It's a factor now. And uh, he was talking about how like, you know how like when you have pants that just don't quite fit after you eat something, mm-hmm. imagine that with your skin. And I yeah. was like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> forever in my prayers, my guy. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that Bateman's skin is tight. I think it is taut. That just feels like past tense of tight, though. Like, I know. <laughs> it's not, though. I know. It's just what it feels like. That feels like the same word. <laughs> T's on other ends of the of the word are going to give me the vibe. You know what I mean? Are going to give me that vibe. Tit, for example. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that. I'm thinking of words that begin and end with T. That, 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 that. But anyways... Uh yeah, we have like this really weird like fawning over him, right? Yeah, kind of petting. Yeah, kind of petting of Bateman. <laughs> um, but we get into the Christmas party, mm-hmm. and first of all, if you're a person that says Xmas, unsubscribe to us. That that is the. It takes the same amount of time to say Xmas as it does Christmas. <laughs> Those are both two-syllable words. One of them is a word. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, took more, you took more time to hyphenate it. Mm-hmm. Or you were too lazy and you just put X-mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> X-mass. In case you were wondering if I was making fun of you people, I fucking am. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Motley Crue, because that was Nikki Six's original idea for the band name was X-mass. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god! That's what the movie says anyway. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm going to pretend like it is. I think I was too high for that part of the movie. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was it's like, a play on Christmas. We can use Christ imagery and shit. Instead of snow, it's going to be cocaine and heroin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're in L.A., dude. Look. In the in 1980. <laughs> what else is there to do? Heather Locklear. And they do. Ooh. And they do. <laughs> Ooh. Tommy Lee fucked up. <laughs> that's okay richie sambora got to pick up those pieces <laughs> just can't live with myself knowing that there's a human being on this planet that chose pamela anderson over heather locklear yes just saying and what i'm not w- trying to put a woman down i'm just saying <laughs> heather locklear is a national treasure oh, and always yeah. has been 100 goaded she's dead isn't she i have no idea i feel like she is. i don't actually care i'm just making content <laughs> <laughs> It's so hard <laughs> to <laughs> This is why this is a free episode. <laughs> yeah, I do want to, before he dive too deep in the Christmas party, I want to talk about the line that he says at the spot where he can feel the mask of his sanity slipping off. So mm-hmm. he's officially acknowledging that he is off the deep end at this point mm-hmm. and that this is just going to keep happening right yeah because he has already referenced the fact that his bloodlust has gone from night to day yeah which is cool yeah which was really cool because <laughs> like it it took me a minute to think about it when i heard it because it's it, what he was saying was not that was not that it had flipped like the i like drastically what he's saying is like he would always fulfill these urges but it's starting to slip into his day mm-hmm. 
Like it, it's just like now. Oh, I just, interesting. Now, yeah. now I just have to kill people all the time. I got a different take from that. I thought it was like it was dormant and asleep, and now it's very much awake. See, it, it, yeah, and maybe that is the case. Yeah, for me, that's cool. It, for me, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, this is starting to bleed into my everything. Routine. Yeah. yeah, like I, I don't have time for my almond shea butter exfoliate anymore. <laughs> No, we always have time for the almond shakes, uh, whatever, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, we use three in one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Eric was like, you just pour it on top of your head and stand in the shower. <laughs> I don't know why people take 15-minute showers, bro. I just don't. Like, well, I'll stand in the shower for 15 minutes if I'm trying to just have hot water on my body for 15 minutes. Totally. But I don't understand why it takes that long to clean your body. Well, I'm really trying to get in there. <laughs> just... I'm taking a Brillo pad to my anus. <laughs> I'm picturing like those. You remember those cut scenes from SpongeBob where they would like switch to like real shit, and he mm-hmm. was like a literal sponge. I'm picturing like him screaming as you're like getting. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> gotta wipe my ass i gotta wipe my ass um also people that don't spread their cheeks in the shower and let the water run down are weird free bidet you don't even have to buy one you just get in the shower after you poop well <laughs> do you poop once a day uh no i don't <laughs> so so you shower four times a day. I don't poop four times a day. <laughs> I did the other day when I had when I had spicy soup and white claw for my diet for forty eight straight hours. Yeah, that was a weird day for the for the old for the old gut, the old system. Yeah, <laughs> the kombucha gets down there like I don't even know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> right probiotics ain't helping this fool <laughs> what's funny is when i got home i totally ate like a whole bag of flaming hot cheetos too and just continued to invest in this pain that i was experiencing you put it in the blender with some white claw <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> had some spicy white claw <laughs> at the christmas party um paul allen recognizes bateman but not as Bateman now he's going by Halberstram which was mm-hmm. one of the dudes that you know is like in the circle of vice presidents that you know that I'm work here in to this, do a business that work in this business company <laughs> that sells business um and they decide to have dinner they decide to like split or I can get us a res no Paul I'll take care of that and they go to like this like steakhouse it looks like it's a poncho via cool yeah <laughs> You're yeah, talking about where it's Paul and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty yeah. much a poncho via. Yeah. Or it, me, Pueblo, if you're in the right. South. And so we got, we've got, uh, what, what, Bateman makes his drink order and it's like a beer and a scotch or something like that, right? And then. I, I know that, uh, Jared Leto or, uh, Paul Allen asked for a double, double dirt, absolute, yeah, yeah, martini. And I was like, well,. I bet Jared Leto drinks martinis. I bet he drinks absolute. Yeah. <laughs> Which if you drink absolute, guys, first of all, all vodka's the same until you hit like aristocrat. Right. <laughs> if you want to pay more for Tito's, that's fine. Tanqueray Sterling does the same fucking mm-hmm. thing. Like I <laughs> I've taken a shot of vodka before and someone was like, So how was it? I was like, What are you talking about? Right. And they were like the, the shot like how was the vodka i had gotten like they were talking like they paid like 
$13 a shot for this fucking vodka Mm -hmm. that they had handed me. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with Mm -hmm. you? I didn't ask for that. I'd have taken Tito's. I'd have taken Taka. You know what Taka is? Taka is a $9 1.75 liter. Nice. Cool. It it tastes the same as Tito's. Because it's clear. It just tastes clear. This water is spicy. You know, like it's it, it's if you're making fucking like Kool-Aid and don't put the powder in. That's what it tastes like. <laughs> if you're making jungle juice <laughs> right. and you don't put the fucking Kool-Aid in. <laughs> so yeah, bro, fuck that. $13 shot of var- va- vodka. 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 Um, yeah, dude. So Obviously, we have uh, Paul Allen is getting shitty at this point. Like, just his mannerisms. He's, like, <laughs> swiveling his Corona bottle like an asshole. Who's that dork Patrick Bateman? His girlfriend's so hot. She's got a great ass, and he makes that meme face that, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have sex with his mom. <laughs> is that Ivana Trump? <laughs> <laughs> no. Also, the amount Trump comes up in this I movie know. is fucking goaded. Is that Trump's car? This was back when he was like a celebrity and he was like cool, I yeah. guess. <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's hip to be square. Right. <laughs> Everybody uh, wants to party with Donald. I will say the only thing that I thought was really funny about this scene specifically was when they first got there and the guy was like, you know, taking their orders or whatever. And he's got, he's like holding a chalkboard that has their specials on it. And he looks at him and goes, are you sure you don't want to hear the specials? He was like, not if you want to keep your spleen. And I was like, you don't need a spleen to live. Yeah, right. <laughs> Joke's on you. I'm not threatened anymore. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> this ice bath is nice. <laughs> Aside from the fact that my dick's inside me. <laughs> I'm not connecting those two dots. I'm sorry. <laughs> because he's covered in ice. Okay. How does dick get inside him? It's a shrinkage joke, dude. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, your dick doesn't actually invert into your body. I was going to say, I've never, I guess I just don't experience that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know what I'm, <laughs> yes. Dicks. So we get back to the, the apartment, and, and that's part of like the, the trope, too, is everyone's always like, oh my God, Daddy, your apartment's so nice. Right. And he's just like... It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to be pet. You know? <laughs> the the best part is when they get in there, fucking uh, Paul Allen or J- Jared Leto is shit-faced on, like, one of those super modern couches where there's not a lot of space for you to sit, and it's really like a love seat that's open-ended on both sides, right. and it's sitting on top of all of these newspapers. He's like, <laughs> do you have, like, a... <laughs> Like like a dog, like a like a chow or something. And I was like, did he just call him gay via like what dog right. he would have? <laughs> right. Why are chows catching strays out here? What's that about? What a chow ever do to you? <laughs> My dad was killed by a chow. <laughs> <laughs> I spent my life hunting down chows. <laughs> That's his villain origin story. It's actually why he becomes the Joker. It's also a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> and notably, like 
this is our very first battle between Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that's worth remarking on. <laughs> I was ready for like Christian Bale to come up behind and be like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you. I think sports is their undisputed masterpiece until they came out with four with its hip to be square. <laughs> In 1987. <laughs> and that was like, that. it's funny because like there's so many of those conversations throughout mm-hmm. or monologues throughout the movie. But this was always my favorite just because of, like, this was his first, like, kill for us that really got yeah, a hit. Yeah. And it was, have you ever listened to Huey Lewis in the news? And he starts, like, doing this, like, beat pop right. dance thing, <laughs> right. like, while he's walking around. <laughs> so he goes and he gets the shiniest axe I have the seen in my life. The dullest axe I've ever seen in my yeah, life, well, too. Well, yeah, because <laughs> this thing was probably made out of silver paint and plaster caster. Right. right. <laughs> yep. And he he goes around the side and or to like their open kitchen or whatever, and you know homeboy's still like shit faced on the fucking mm-hmm. uh, um, on on the couch thing. Is that a raincoat? <laughs> I make it rain. I make it rain. <laughs> yes, Paul, it is. Do 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 do. Rain blood. And he just goes full on in for kill number two. Kill number fucking. To here's the news. Nice. <laughs> it was so good I had to write it down. <laughs> I was gonna say he picked up his phone, like adjusted his glasses that he does it where he's like <clears throat> here's the news. <laughs> so here's the news. Try getting a reservation at Dorsey and now you fucking stupid <laughs> bastard. <laughs> I love which the... means he'll never get a reservation at Dorsey again either. <laughs> it was killing the part of him that could get a reservation. Yes, <laughs> jokes on you. Paul Allen still exists rent free in your brain <laughs> for all of eternity. <laughs> so yeah, definitely one of the not not only just like an iconic kill for this movie, but one of the most iconic kills I feel like in horror. Yeah, I agree. And two of them actually appear. In this movie, because we haven't even gotten to my favorite yet. I would say there are probably just as many people that haven't seen that movie that have seen that scene as people that have seen this movie. Right. It's that big. <laughs> so, but now we got to pack Paul up <laughs> and send him somewhere. Right. And this, this was like one of those, like, I love noticing when they fuck up how they do stuff in movies. Like, it's not immersion breaking for me because mm. obviously the approach that we take on movies is already pretty we're looking for that yeah that's part of the fun for us but he's dragging this like giant travel bag (laughs) and there's just a trail of fucking blood Mm -hmm. behind him and he walks past the uh uh desk security and he and it's it's funny that like the security guard didn't even do like the stereotypical like shrug he was like huh well whatever he just like looked up and looked back down and i don't want to know (laughs) and he pulls him out of the front and this is the shot that I found was when he hails a cab <laughs> and you, the, you see through the front glass doors of the building and the trail of blood is just gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that probably means that he didn't actually kill Paul Allen. He's just imagining the trail of blood behind him. Eric is about to fuck y'all up. By Shut the, end the of this fuck one. up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But we had uh, Ginger Gay Boy come by with his... Ginger Gay Boy, (laughs) Jesus Christ. He was all of those things. 
<laughs> fucking Opie from Andy Griffith walks by. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, especially for the 2000s, this was a part that definitely told you that he was gay. I mean, the, I was going to say the next line that comes out of his mouth, dude. Oh my God, where did you get that travel bag at? He's like with his fiance. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even her. That That's my favorite part. That wasn't even his fiance. And Pat, he like, fucking pops his like jacket color he's like uh, john paul gautier and leaves <laughs> that's the whole scene that that was it he like puts the trunk down smacks the ass of the cab right, right. <laughs> the, the you, gets you could fit one quarter of 30 seconds of mars into this bad boy <laughs> break me down <laughs> Perfect. What do you want me to do with the body? Bury me! Bury me! <laughs> when did that happen? Yesterday! Uh, What's the point of this movie? It's a beautiful lie. <laughs> so we cut to our next scene, and like, I was just Fuck, like, dude. I, I, <laughs> I was. I want to say like seven more things. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> we, we get to the next scene, and it's another like one of those classics. Like I, I could not stop fucking laughing during this scene, and Eric could attest to this. There was just something about the way they shot it that hit me, and yeah. it was the camera, the way it would pan around. So uh, Bateman is in his office with his headphones in, listening to his Walkman to Lady in Red, <laughs> and he's just got his eyes closed, and he is fucking vibing yeah <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> my boy is fucking feeling himself <laughs> you do when you, you know that feeling you have where you've had like a six pack a whole pizza and a blunt and you got nothing else to do for the next 24 hours that's where he was <laughs> i think that's why it was so funny to me it was like i it was so funny to see him so relaxed i know yeah <laughs> almost like he got this release from fucking killing oh, Jerry And Leto. he had a little furrow in his brow. Like, there was still something sensory <laughs> happening to his body that he was trying to tap into. <laughs> you know I mean? And I don't, and I think, like, to... Do not come. <laughs> Do not come. I'm gonna come. <laughs> but Jean actually comes in and disturbs everything, and as she does, and she goes, so, uh, Detective Defoe mm-hmm. <laughs> is here to see you. Kimball. Kimball. He was like, Detective- Schmecker. <laughs> Schmecker. <laughs> That's not a real name. <laughs> That's just the only character that fucking Defoe played for like oh, 12 t- <laughs> years was like some kind of private investigator or something of the like. There was a firefight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she, he's like, I'm not here. She's like, he's insisting. Here, no. He goes, tell him I'm at lunch. She goes, sir, it's 1030 in the morning. <laughs> right. I, th- I think he knows you're here. <laughs> I was like, first of all, taking lunch at 1030 is not unacceptable. Yeah. He's also been watching you masturbate for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> so he, can... he like comes down on the window cleaner scaffolding. <laughs> on the goblin glider. <laughs> nice dick, Batman. <laughs> right. So the best part was like, it didn't matter when she was in there, but as soon as uh, Detective Kimball uh, Kimble walked through mm-hmm. the door, he like grabs his Walkman with his ear, like his earbuds are still on. Yeah. And he pulls that in the porn that he has sitting on the <laughs> right. table and fucking swipes it into the drawer. 
Dude, I gotta fucking try that. I gotta, tr- I gotta try the listening to Lady in Red while jerking it, and just see how like if that's if that's a new layer. Because <laughs> I can go ahead and promise you it isn't, but I just want to see if it works. I was talking to a buddy of mine one time, and he was talking about because I I don't watch porn anymore because yeah. it's just not it's just not good for you. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not good for you, but it's also just like like I said before, I've seen it all. Right. right. Yeah. I know how the plot works. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was like it's like a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> uh, but he was telling me that <laughs> he was telling me because uh, I guess this is when the compilation videos came out. And they would put music to it. Oh God, <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you're He's talking like, about. He's like, honestly, dude, I don't know how to come anymore without music. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you listening to? He was like, all of it. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, they put that shit to any song now. Because I thought it was just some dirty trap shit for a while. Right. But they'll put it to like, save a horse, ride a cowboy. <laughs> so if you guys out there really want to ruin your uh, music music listening experience. Yeah, I changed my mind. <laughs> I like going to concerts without boners, so. <laughs> yeah, those those are a little too intimate for you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're standing like six feet behind somebody, but you're touching their back. Right. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> anyway, so we have this um, subsequent scene with uh, Detective Kimball and uh, Bateman's character, and I got to tell you, Kimball is like the worst detective I've ever seen. And I will say I'm not convinced that he was real mm-hmm. because I have never seen a cop in my entire life be like, oh, here's all the information that I th- have. That I yeah, have. Right. That you could you could help me. Mm-hmm. You're Opens help up the me. classified document and pours it all over. Yeah, his he's like desk. Barney fucking fight. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's our second Andy Griffith show Dude, reference today. Let's get to three. <laughs> let's goal it out. But. Uh, pickles but it was just this really awkward exchange because like the only thing that really happens between this scene and the previous scene we were talking about was uh bateman does go to paul allen's house and he packs my bag and i guess sends the bag to london or i guess something i guess (laughs) i guess we don't really get clarity on that but uh smacker apparently knows that you know well, he has been seen in London by a couple of people, although I cannot verify that. Kind of feels like he just did. I feel like they just couldn't quite afford Willem Dafoe. Right. <laughs> because he is not in this movie very much, mm-hmm. and his lines are not poorly delivered, but no, they're, not just, at all. they're just not well written. Right. The Yale thing. What's the Yale thing? Well, that he was a closeted homosexual, the Yale thing. <laughs> and did cocaine. Right. <laughs> Sorry, does cocaine. Mm. <laughs> and he has her bring in a mineral water for the detective. And like before she can put the cup down, he's already got like the drawer beside him open. And he grabs the coaster out and slams it down on the other side of the desk. And everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> Don't you watermark this desk. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. It even has a watermark. <laughs> And the best part was he goes, do you want a lime? Because I'll get you a lime. <laughs> Gene, get a lime. He's like, I didn't even really want the mineral water. <laughs> right. <I know. laughs> and he didn't do anything with it. He like really didn't touch it. <laughs> he reminds me of the Yankees uh, manager in um, 
Seinfeld. What you eating over there? Calzone? Pass that over here. I'm hungry. Skip lunch. All right. So what were we talking about? Never mind. Can't handle it. Now I'm thinking about calzones. I got it on my mind. I got to get one. <laughs> Give me a damn sandwich, Dave. <laughs> Relatively inconsequential scene to the plot, aside from just establishing that now there's this fear of being caught. Right. right? And that's that's all that it is. The heat is on. Right. right. And, and the only thing that this will really establish as well is like each time that you see this meetup because it happens i think three times in the movie Mm -hmm. is each time you'll see christian bale he's sweating a little bit more he's slipping up on his details a little bit more and Mm -hmm. seeing like that kind of degradation into (laughs) 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 Um, and we get to uh probably my favorite scene in this entire fucking movie him ripping a thousand sit-ups in a row to texas chainsaw massacre (laughs) Because I was like, that's like me when I work out <laughs> with like a quarter of the amount of vanity. Because like this dude's trying to fuck him. Yeah. I'm not gay enough to want to fuck myself. Right. But you'll jerk yourself off, though. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I genuinely think that if I could suck myself off, I wouldn't. You think so? I okay. really don't think I would. Because okay. that feels a little too gay for me. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> We're establishing parameters, I feel totally, that, though. Totally. Yeah, boundaries matter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sitting there, down there, like... Does it make you oh, fucking, they're... like, feel good to know that, like, confidently you could jerk another guy off with the technique, though? Like, you've got it down, and it's like, is that, like, a moral that's, victory for you? That salami grip. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I had to, I could. I think I would just die. <laughs> <laughs> what if you had to jerk me off? To save my life. <laughs> Dude, I'm really sorry. <laughs> You're about to have the worst experience of your life. <laughs> Dying. <laughs> Heard. I think I would rather I'll make sure grass. to like not get us in a situation where that would be a uh, that would be a necessary entanglement. Puts a gun to his head, jerk him off. <laughs> I told you not to come in here. <laughs> Now, he's already established he can't do it. <laughs> Take your fucking gun and leave. Dude. John, I'm sorry. <laughs> I told him not to come. <laughs> do not come. We have performance issues. It happens to every guy. It's all good. Anyways, speaking of, speaking of performance issues. <laughs> yeah. The anyways. Uh, we're get- Yeah, right. Um, we're getting uh, into my actual favorite scene, which is uh, where he goes and he picks up a couple of sex workers. And for those of you who listen to us, I would really like your opinion about using the term sex worker. Like, I'm here to, like, respect everyone, and that's fine. These women are actively prostitutes, and I feel like I need to tell you that they're not strippers, they're not... Only fans, models. These are like this is a this is a job that they are doing specifically, and I'm not going to make fun of them for being prostitutes. I am about to make fun of everything that's about to subsequently happen. <laughs> right. I I just I am on the 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 team of like like morally. You're saying like where do I stand on that line? I guess and like yeah. what terms to use or whatever. I mean, I think hookers are people too, but I think there's a name hooker. You know what I mean? Like, and you that you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a podcaster. That has a name and it has an association with what I do. 
You know I, what I'm saying? I'm like, a closeted homosexual. Right. <laughs> right. So you can jerk me off, is with, what you're saying? With, with a raging coke addiction. <laughs> it's a Yale thing. It's a Yale thing. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like calling it as as it is is totally. usually better for everybody involved. Totally. Um, I would just like to know what they are probably not going to message us. <laughs> I don't, well. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I'm, ju- I'm just curious because it doesn't matter. Curiosity kills cats. Christian Bale kills dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just is what it if is. If a hooker messages me, I'm going to send her a picture back. So she's... <laughs> It's of you eating flaming hot Cheetos. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, but anyways, he he picks up um, prostitute number one, prostitute number fucking one, <laughs> four. <laughs> Get, gets her into the car, brings her back to the house, and I guess there was just another uh, prostitute that was on the way. <laughs> he I guess had ordered or whatever. So I guess she was an escort specifically. And people might be like, "What, well, John, what's the difference between a prostitute and an escort? Well, an escort goes through a business. And a prostitute is either just on the street or has a pimp. Exactly. <laughs> this is why So that's where the matter. line is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, we start to have like this. What was the song? That, oh, it was uh, Invisible Touch. <laughs> that <laughs> was the one that he, that wasn't what he was playing. Okay. But it was. The one that he was talking about. Yeah. What was he playing? Oh, I don't, Studio. Yeah, yeah. He was playing Studio yeah. by Phil Collins. Your favorite. <laughs> the, the funniest part was like, he's talking about Invisible Touch by Genesis, mm-hmm. but playing Studio by just Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. And he's setting up the camera in uh, what I would assume would normally be like a porn studio because there's like mirrors <laughs> on the wall and shit. <laughs> he's like talking. Porn to- studios are rooms too. <laughs> <laughs> rooms to fill that's right speaking of we, <laughs> we were, <laughs> i'm gonna kill uh so we have I, I think her name was actually christy was the uh one that we'll see a second time later it's in the this name movie. that he assigns her which is great yeah exactly yeah. i think the other one's like tori or something uh hang on i did write it down sabrina sabrina mm-hmm. that's a familiar name christy and sabrina he also notably calls himself Paul Allen. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to make sure that he's got Paul Allen is everywhere right now. <laughs> right. Um, Confuse the fucking hounds. Yeah, get him off the trail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we get to uh, my favorite part where he goes, Sabrina, take off your dress. And she starts doing like this. She takes her dress off and she's doing like this go-go dance that's just like <laughs> off to the side. Like it's never yeah. in shot. She's just like... She's not even facing them. She's just like, she, yeah, she's facing the fucking wall. Yeah. <laughs> he Are you at, ready? He looks at Chrissy. He's like, "All right, bend over so she can eat your ass." <laughs> and this is my favorite part in the entire yeah. fucking film. Is like Christian Bale like walks behind the fil- the camera, and he's like looking out at the scene for a minute. <laughs> He just looks at Sabrina, are you going to stare at it or are you going to eat it? Right. <laughs> like, 14-year-old me was in tears yeah. during that. It's still great. Oh, it's yeah. It's still just probably the best line in the whole movie, to be honest. And then, like, it's followed up by, like, one of the funniest sex scenes that's ever happened in a movie. Because <laughs> it's like, 
it's a clockwork orange with like how much plowing's going on, yeah. but it's all focused on like Christian Bale looking at himself in the mirror, <laughs> right. which is totally how Christian Bale fucks. Yeah, not Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale. <laughs> Christian Bale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like flexing in the mirror while he's like, "Look, mom, no hands." <laughs> Look at me. You may think you see. <laughs> and that's real shit. Yeah. I, I just think it's funny that like clearly neither of them are having a great time, you know. <laughs> uh, so then we go into they're at the yacht club, right? Or this this the- is my favorite conversation in the movie, I think, because we're talking about the concept of ugly chicks and their role <laughs> in society, and th- it's so fucking funny to me because the the content that's involved in this, the sentences that come out of actual human beings' mouths in this scene, imply that they were written by an actual human being with these thoughts in their head of their own at one point or another, right? right. And it's why the writer of this book was accused of being misogynistic initially. Talking about, uh, I just don't know a girl that's got like any kind of like creativity or God forbid talent, whatever the fuck that is. And I mean, intelligence. Sure, they and got intelligence, in right? There. <laughs> I'm sure she has a great personality, but no girl with a great personality is attractive. <laughs> it's, it's just like, God damn, dude. It's, <laughs> I'm in the back, like, never meet your heroes. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and Paul, uh, fucking Paul Allen, fucking, uh, uh, Patrick Patrick Bateman is like you know what I like fucking he says something like uh when it when like uh the what serial killer from the 50s whatever Ed his Dean. name was okay so he was like when I w- look at a woman walking down the street I think of what it would be like to be with her and then I imagine what it would be like to put her head on a stick <laughs> which is just him laughing right and everybody's like whoa dude you need to like respect women a little bit more than that. <laughs> First of all, that's a human being there with feelings and emotions, and you need to. <laughs> you need to take her to a nice vegan lunch first right, of all. Right, right. <laughs> At least twenty dates before you even bring up the idea of holding hands. You know. Uh, so, uh, we have the reappearance of the ginger. Gay Lewis. Boy. Yeah. Lewis. Ginger gay boy's fine if you want to just keep going that direction. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, it's so clear through the whole movie. I know. The only thing, and this is honestly just writers back then, too, was mm-hmm. like, how do we make it so people know that he's gay? Okay, we're going to ask about, have him ask about every article of clothing and have him touch Patrick mm-hmm. at some point. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, is everybody knows exactly what that means. How do we make this character look gay? Everybody knows what that looks like. Right. <laughs> it's just for some reason it's hard to talk about so what was it that he came in and said that sent bateman off he came in with a business card that was in a gold business card case with gold lettering on it and patrick had a fucking meltdown Patrick, the other dude was sitting across from him and was like, all right, where are we going to get a reservation to? Is that all you can contribute to this fucking friendship? Where are we getting dinner? (laughs) Calm down, buddy. Don't you ever touch me again or you'll pull back a stub. I love gold. (laughs) Goes into the gold bathroom where the dudes, where Lewis is taking a leak, puts his like spotless gloves on and is going to strangle him. And Lewis turns around with his dick presumably still out pulls his glove back and kisses him gently on the wrist and is like, do you have any idea how long I've been dreaming of this? (laughs) Yes, Lewis, I do. (laughs) I want you to, ever since you wore that little striped bow tie to that party. (laughs) 
again, that's how we knew that he was right. gay. Was he mm. was talking about more shit than he was wearing. right? School of Rock. Look at that bow tie, gay kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> the two thousands were a. Vibe. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyhow, but yeah, he just he. <laughs> my favorite part of this scene was how he's like washing his gloves off. Got to got to rinse the gay away. <laughs> you know, OJ actually could have taken a point from that. Right. Right. <laughs> These are not my gloves. Fits perfectly. The only thing that I wrote for for this scene was gay. Because <laughs> my favorite part is like he is just so troubled. He's about to stumble out of the bathroom. Right. Lewis is like, wait, where are you going? I have to return some video tapes. <laughs> I would say I'm going to start saying that, but that's not a thing anymore. Nobody would know what I was talking oh, about. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. I'm going to return some MP3s. <laughs> I'm going to get a refund on Steam. <laughs> That's the one. So he like stumbles out and like, you know, hit, he doesn't even like stumble into people. He just walks through them like the right. dude who's carrying the tray. Right. Everyone's like, where are you going? He's like, uh, like he has like this autistic breakdown and just keeps fucking walking. 100%. He turns around and Lewis is like up in the ba- uh, balcony. He goes, hey. Call me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody saw that, yeah. which is awesome. Everyone's like, ew, dude. Uh, right. no, no wonder you don't respect women. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, but anyway. Jesus. Yeah. The the next scene is actually like, I think they could have cut this out of the movie. Kimball's second visit. Kimball's second visit. Um, or is that after the rave? Is it before or after the rave? I've got the rave after that. Okay. So, yeah. It's just another thing where they meet up for lunch, and he's just like, hmm. Or, no, it's not lunch. They're in the office. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, all these things are weird. And he's just like, oh, my God, you're so right. Right. <laughs> like this. I have this Huey Lewis CD that was precisely the one that you played the night that you murdered Paul Allen. Have you ever heard it before? Great stuff. I really think they've come into their own with this record. You know, like. Great taste, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, now now he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows kind of thing, right? right. Is kind of the idea. Um and then there's this, again, it's kind of inconsequential, but it, it establishes basically what's going on with Courtney because he goes over to Courtney's house and fucks Courtney again. Mm-hmm. And he's getting himself dressed up and she's talking about, you know, all she's ever wanted was to have children, but she's realized that she's too much of a drug addict to do it at this point. Oh, that baby would die. So she has this little, like, uh, basically I'm going to, you know, unalive myself here kind of <laughs> conversation where she's like, if I don't see you by Easter, have a good one. And he's like, you too. <laughs> just, <laughs> just leaves. <laughs> Um, so that's that's Courtney, and that's kind of where that ends. But now we are at the club. Now we're at mm-hmm. the rave. And like, guys, if you watch this movie, just watch the people that are dancing. Yeah, pay attention Be- to the dudes on the table. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. They look like John Cena when he's like listening to the shit in his earbuds. He's just like. <laughs> <laughs> you know how the uh the fucking groundhog dances at the end of Caddyshack, that little that fucking groundhog <laughs> puppet. That's kind of what they were doing. That shit was so good. Yeah. Um 
so we have this really funny scene though in the bathroom when they're like doing coke Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) there's a guy in the stall next to him he's like will you shut the fuck up i'm trying to do coke over here (laughs) and they're over here like fuck you we're doing coke over here (laughs) and the dude was like dude they cut her shit with splenda He's like, I want to be able to snort this shit, not sprinkle it over my oatmeal. <laughs> Fucking Bateman was so goaded in the scene. He's like, but I bet if we do all of it, right. we should be fine. Just keep doing the coke. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm a little jumpy. Steroids. Yeah, it's the steroids. <laughs> I was just waiting for like simple syrup to start coming out of their nose. <laughs> Ew, dude. Ew, dude. <laughs> Oh, no, dude. <laughs> um, so they pick up some girls at the rave, um, and he kills the blonde one, I guess. Because yeah. that, That's kind of why I think they should have just cut this scene out. Right. was like, if you're not going to give us the kill, yeah. what the fuck was even the I point? Because you wanted to drop the F-bomb one mm-hmm. more time? I know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's kind of there's the there's the joke about mergers and something, but what Patrick is saying is murders and executions, yeah. and it's like that's like uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> see none of it's actually real. He perceives himself saying things that aren't actually happening in reality. So that's the whole point, right? But yeah, we do get kill number God, three off screen. So fucking psychological for kill, kill number, number fucking three. three. Kill number fucking, fucking three. Fucking three. In your head. That's Gene? actually. Uh, pretty good for later. <laughs> Gene, would you like to accompany me to dinner this evening? Hell yeah, brother. Where would you like to go? <laughs> as soon as she said, I was like, oh, Dorsey. She wants to go to Dorsey. <laughs> Dorsey is fine. Hey, can I get a, let's say, nine o'clock res for table for two? Sir, we don't have a... <laughs> Great. <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs> Let me just hang up my cellular phone and put my antenna down. Right. And Gene's like, you didn't even give a name. He's like, oh, they know me. Which, again, goes back to my original point about they would have known who Paul Allen was. Because everybody who's anybody knows who Paul Allen is. He's a fucking legend. Right. (laughs) Uh, And their date is so weird. It is. This is actually the I think the best scene in the movie though. I think this is well, the second best scene maybe because there's one that's coming later that I do love more. I say I'm just not vibing with it. Really? I re- I yeah. really wasn't because it was like there was too much humanity in this scene for me for what they were trying to perpetuate was like it felt like Gene was a character that was supposed to be grounding him and that is gay. <laughs> Gene had dreams and aspirations of being somebody different than this shallow fucking world that she's existed in for this whole time. And he finds that worthy of sparing. Right. And that just feels like bullshit to me. Like, because, I mean, like, you're going to sit here and tell me that the sex workers didn't? That they didn't have, like, aspirations of love and life and, like, all this shit? And I don't know that it was... I know that you're not saying that personally, but, like, I I just don't buy that for the writing aspect. Well, what I was going to say though was that I I do believe that everybody had aspirations and that kind of thing and I think that's the whole point is I don't that think Jared in, Leto has aspirations. In, well, what my what I'm saying is is like I I don't think that them having aspirations makes them pure. 
are oh, more totally. pure than Gene. It's the fact that they have those dreams and refuse to work towards them. Mm-hmm. Gene wanted to. She was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I Lately, I've kind of been feeling like I'd like to just have a special relationship with somebody who's special to me. You know? My boy, Jesus Christ. And it's like all that's, you know, all that just to say that I feel like the point of this sequence was just to say that Gene is the only person that isn't a part of this world that's obsessed with the money or the status or who's fucking who or what's the name of the suit you're wearing. Sure. What color is the white on your business card? You know what I mean? And shit like that. And there was something about that that he found endearing. So, and yeah. he, he didn't even want to go through with like banging her because fucking Evelyn calls right in, right on time. And it's like, I hope you're not picking up some tramp off the street because you're my little Bateman boo or whatever the fuck she said, you know? So do you think that if he had banged her that he would have killed her too? Yeah, probably. Because I think her following through with that would have been a, you know, kind of like fuse or something that's sure. burning. You know what sure. I mean? And I feel like that's kind of how he approached everybody that he came in contact with during this whole movie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and e- even people of inconsequence, like we'll talk about during the killing spree here in a few <laughs> minutes, you know? Um, but no, and I just think that that's important to like establish that like there is like the type of person that he is, he feeds on that. It was like I was saying earlier about the lay Miz thing. He desperately wants to be separate from this world. He wants to be free from it, but he feels like he's stuck in it. Well, and you absolutely are when you're in like, obviously I say this is somebody who does not have this, but when you are limitless money, (laughs) yeah, or, or when you're in like this idea of how money works, you're like a part of this elite mm-hmm. firm or fucking whatever. Of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course you don't have any fucking bearing on reality. Right. You know? And I, and I wonder if that's like part of what this is trying to say is like, where do we kind of lose that boundary mm-hmm. at is because you would think that it's like a lot of a lot of the times it's kind of predicated on like people being poor or mm-hmm. being traumatized or something like that. Clearly, this dude had nothing wrong in his life because right. he grew up. He Silver went, spoon. He went to Harvard and then Harvard business after that. <laughs> and then Harvard business and works at one of the top firms in the world. Mm-hmm. He eats wherever the fuck he wants. Except yeah. Dorcia. <laughs> Except Dorcia. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. And I think that that's kind of the point of the whole movie. Yeah. to be honest, is really like echoed in this, or at least um, beginning to be revealed in this sequence here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, so she's she is set free among the night. You know, she eats her sorbet and fucking leaves. <laughs> and that's kind of it. And she, as she's like leaving, she turns around and she says, oh, don't forget that you have lunch with Kimball tomorrow. And mm-hmm. he's like, great. <laughs> We, we go to the lunch and it's just a fucking house of lies. You know, he's mm-hmm. sweating bullets and they're like, well, actually, they mistook Paul Allen for somebody else in London. Mm-hmm. And they said that you were at this party that you're not confirming that you're at and this, that and the other. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was at that party. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, I do a lot of coke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Splenda indeed. <laughs> sweet and low. Sw- sweet and hanging low. <laughs> so now, I mean, we're kind of getting to like really the end of this. He picks up Christy again, and this time he's got his friend Elizabeth, somebody that he does know personally. Mm-hmm. And Christy's like, nah, dude, I had to go to the emergency room last time. <laughs> Whatever that means. Like, yeah, they did walk out like bloodied and like right. their mascara was running. Mm-hmm. He didn't kill either one of no. them. But... Mm-hmm. They, they got their money's worth, let's put it that way. He got his money's worth. One way or another, yeah. Ooh, 
money, money. Um, and Elizabeth kind of almost accidentally outs him. She keeps calling him Patrick. And mm-hmm. as far as Christy knows, this guy's name is Paul, right? And so he's like, yeah, why don't you continue drinking that champagne, that Chardonnay or whatever the fuck that I poured mm-hmm. this fucking, you know, <laughs> we know what it was. <laughs> well, it was like it was so funny that he was like, "Oh my god, you haven't drank nearly as much of your wine." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, she actually watched you put drugs in it." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why she's not drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to them fucking lezzing out on the couch or whatever, and he's listening to Whitney Houston and he goes on a Whitney Houston vibe. And I'm going to go off for a fucking second because anybody that criticizes anybody else for listening to Whitney Houston, fucking preach, brother. Fuck off. Fuck you. Your taste in music. I'm just like, who doesn't like Whitney Houston? It's like Fog Hat. You know what I mean? Oh, I hate Fog Hat. <laughs> who doesn't like Fog Hat except for John? You know what I mean? That was the dumbest band I've ever seen. <laughs> Slow run! <laughs> I would rather see Little Feet 12 times than ever watch. <laughs> and I've seen Little Feet. Uh,. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. It's, you it's, like, like, you have more than one disc of Whitney Houston in your house. They played on the. It's it's funny because like they kind of play on the gay thing a lot in this movie. I, I, know. Th- I think that's why I keep saying it because mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a reoccurring theme, especially in this series where like you could almost hear her and the the remnants of the nineties. Yeah. Where it's just like, Those <laughs> you attitudes. listen to Whitney Houston and you're a male, right. you're gay. Right, because being homosexual was the antithesis of being masculine. Right. Somehow, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And it's like, I just uh, it's it's funny going back and looking at stuff yeah. through, through the lens of like a rational, totally. open-minded person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you like Whitney Houston? <laughs> I date men. And I have sex with men. <laughs> I got news for you. That means you're straight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm so happy that that became a thing on yeah. Instagram because a lot of you might not know this about me. I'm a huge SVU person. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up watching that show, and it's one of my favorites. When I saw that scene for the first time growing up, that was the funniest thing I had seen in my <laughs> right, entire life. Right. Because I knew who Ice T was at yeah, this yeah. point, because I was super into, uh, you know, he he had done Cop Killer with not Anthrax, um, I think it was Biohazard, but it was just so funny to see. Wasp. <laughs> I have relationships with women, sex with men. I gotta tell you, that means you gay. <laughs> <laughs> Just the look on his fucking face. Hot takes at UTF. Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Listen. Pride, everybody. Listen, sort it out. Be yourself. When you're here, you're family. Our goal is <laughs> when you're here, it's Alabama. That's right. <laughs> Which, honestly, for this scene, and I'm surprised there was no commentary on it in the scene, mm-hmm. was he says that Christy is his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, it would make me really hot if you two would just start lezzing out. (laughs) (laughs) And no one, like, no one ever talks Uh, about that. What'd she say? She's like, oh, God, I could really use a Halcyon right now or something like that. Well, she was like, do you have any Coke? Yeah. Or Halcyon? (laughs) Really go for a Halcyon right now. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I I think you're fine with whatever's in your fucking wine, boo. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Wait 15 minutes. You'll be fine. So 
we go into the bedroom. They're lezzing out. And Business now, time. Now we're getting into the threesome. Mm-hmm. And Christy is kind of like off to the side like she has been for both of these threesomes so far. <laughs> Understandably so. Um, it's got to be how it felt to be that dude that was drafted to play quarterback when Aaron Rodgers was still at Green <laughs> Bay. It's like, oh, okay. Thanks for bringing me, I guess. <laughs> uh, so they had... Uh, it, it like had started she started like or christy uh has been through this situation mm-hmm. already so now that uh christian bale's like under the blankets with the elizabeth elizabeth mm-hmm. in pound town mm-hmm. she starts to like pull her shorts up like she's trying to like sneak out the morning mm-hmm. after kind of thing yeah, yeah. and she start. this is the part that i don't understand i assume that there was a knife involved or something but <laughs> he was like Next thing you know, he she's like having this full on fucking I'm getting eated out orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, like blood just splatters against the inside of the fucking sheets. Yep. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. Four. Kill number four. Kill number fucking four. I think it's four. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pussy yeah, destroyer. <laughs> my, my man came in like the Death Star and blew that shit up. <laughs> and of course, Christy starts freaking out. And she, she's running through the apartment, which is also, this is actually Paul Allen's apartment. Yeah. This is not um, Christian. This is not Bateman's apartment. Right. And. Oh, no, this was his new apartment. This was his nest egg shit. I'm still convinced that this is Paul's. You think so? Okay. Because they look really similar. Because she came to Paul's the first time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So it was just funny because she's running through the doors and it was like, it was almost like Scooby-Doo-esque where she would open up a door and there'd be dead bodies. And she's like, oh! Right. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) She, She gets to like door number four and she slips on the fucking plot. And of course, like, for some fucking reason, Patrick Bateman walks around the corner through the hallway and he's carrying a fucking chainsaw. Like, anyone in New York owns a chainsaw. He pulled it out of his gym bag from earlier. (laughs) Versace. (laughs) Doing some chainsaw curls. So she comes in with the chainsaw and she, like, rears back. And pulls, like, the Terrifier 2, the fucking... Uh, I can't remember the actress's name. But when she kicks the shit out of him, she just fucking kicks him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Not the face, you stupid bitch. You fucking bitch. <laughs> so she runs out of the apartment. She starts, like, screaming on the apartment door. She's like, ah! ah! I'm about to be murdered. <laughs> and everybody inside's like, fucking go away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring that murder in here. No, that's real shit. That's real shit. When's the last time you heard a car alarm go off and thought somebody's car was being broken into and stolen? Oh, totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. <laughs> That's exactly how you would react if somebody was screaming and slamming on your door at two in the morning. Also, I've learned, not from personal experience, but from watching movies and reading stories that may be true or might be not, uh, there's too many red herrings now. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you run up to my door and you're like, I need help. For all I know, there's two motherfuckers behind you with guns. They're right. about to blow my fucking door down. So what I'm going to do is I can be like, I'll call the cops for you. Right. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll. Fu- yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to go load my gun mm-hmm. and I will call the police while I do it. 
and we'll get you somewhere safe. Right. And if it really uh, poses to be a threat, mm-hmm. then I'll open the door and probably maybe accidentally put a bullet in you, but I'll put the bullet in, in mm-hmm. the people behind you as well. Um, you're playing zero and you've got bore unlocks. So you're hitting everything that's in a straight line. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Such a good ability. <laughs> Trying to kill the bunker with bore. It hits every hitbox. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like, of course people aren't going to respond to this, right? Yeah. She starts running down the stairs, fucking Christian Bale running out through the hallway, swinging, swinging, <laughs> um, swinging. If, dude. if you want to get that reference, I would suggest getting us to 15 oh, patrons. We got it in there. Yep. So once we hit our 15 patrons, we'll be releasing our episode zero, which has where all of the genesis of our jokes have started. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you guys really don't want to miss out on. And for all of our free-to-play listeners, just also remember that if you are the ones that are supporting us, uh, sharing our content, making sure that we can get to our goal, Mm -hmm. we will personally send you an MP3 copy of it. Mm -hmm. So just remember, if you want to be a part of the journey, make sure you're checking us out on Under the Floorboards 5 on Instagram. Yep. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Your favorite kill of the movie. this This is not even just my favorite kill of the movie. This is one of my favorite kills of all mm-hmm. time. Um, and it's, it's really funny cause it's actually reflected in the dark night. <laughs> mm-hmm. They do it in daredevil as well. Yeah, in well, the daredevil series as well. So with, uh, you know, they do the, uh, the Bateman is running down the hallway and, uh, Christy is already starting to make her way down the stairs, which is about like five or six flights, something mm-hmm. like that. And he's like, laser targeting his fucking his fucking chainsaw to her and he finally like she's about to hit the bottom and he just drops it Mm -hmm. and it falls down and he's just like "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) look down and she just got iced it's like through her horizontally too like it doesn't actually make any sense (laughs) also i like that it was just going like yeah he didn't have to hold a trigger. Yeah, because that's how those work. <laughs> so, so it's the base four. Kill number five. Kill number fucking five. Starting to rack it up here. Here we go. Mm, here slice we go. and dice, baby. Here we go. <laughs> Chaining them together, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. Evening wood. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Um, so is this the part where we start to have like the actual like mental breakdown? So after this is a quick cut to him. This is just the scene that I love in this movie. Oh, the ATM? No, they're at Crayons or what I assume oh, is Crayons yeah. is one of these what, restaurants. Re- this Reese Witherfork? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> the uh, selling point of Crayons is apparently that you get crayons and can draw on the tablecloth. <laughs> So they named their whole restaurant after that. Like, that's just not every, you know, every restaurant that has a kid's menu in the United States. My man's making art out here like Kanye West. And dude, it's so fucking funny because it's like three inches away from Evelyn's line of sight. Her looking at her menu. And she's talking about marriage and all this shit. And he's just like drawing a fucking chainsaw going through a dead hooker. And he's like. We forgot that she was even a character at this point. Right. A hundred percent. 
And it escalates to the point where he finally just says, I don't want to be together. And she's like, but your friends are my friends and my friends are your friends. It wouldn't work. Yeah, but I'm being fucking serious. I want to break up. And she's like, but we're going to get married. We can't break up. And he's like, <laughs> she reminds me of the girl from Wayne's World. <laughs> we broke up three months ago. That doesn't mean we still can't go out, right? <laughs> and she starts crying. And he's like, look, you got to stop making a scene right now. You want to do something for me? Stop making this scene. Because this is what happens in restaurants is whenever somebody is slightly louder than room volume, everybody stops what they're doing and turns around to look at where it's coming from. It's so stupid. I can't fucking stand people that look at other people in restaurants. It's eyes on the uh, Eyes on the fucking road, bro. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's, it's fucking Stop. rubbernecking. Stop that. Stop that shit. And like, it's, there's like a painting of a dude that's like sitting at a table and they're all turning around and like the meme is like when you're trying to enjoy a meal with your family but some asshole's painting a picture of you. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> so, anyhow. Um... But yeah, he's like, all right, look, I've, ass- I've assessed the situation and I've decided to leave. But where are you going to go? <laughs> I'm going to return some videotapes. <laughs> and it's so fucking perfect. It's so funny. So now we're walking around at night. Now there's mm-hmm. the ATM machine and he's withdrawing more money and, you know. Well, he, the ATM's just like, feed me a dead cat. <laughs> so he grabs a stray cat. <laughs> right? <laughs> The the I like I felt this on a spiritual level mm-hmm. when I saw <laughs> Christian Bale pick up a cat, put a gun to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I too am allergic to cats. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> blow him away. <laughs> I'm gonna blow you. <laughs> and of yeah. course, this old woman walks up. Hey, don't do that, <laughs> sir. What are you doing? <laughs> He shoots her. Caught her in the front. (laughs) Caught her in the fucking heart. (laughs) This bitch bled out. (laughs) Fucking Queen Elizabeth looking motherfucker. Well, then you start having like, you hear the cop sirens and he's just like, fuck. So he starts like opening up other, uh, try to open up other cars so that he can escape. And Mm -hmm. every last one of them has the alarm start going off. (laughs) Classic. And increasing levels of like, boisterousness boisterosity what would that be boisterously yeah boisterousness it's like the state of boisterous uh, yeah I, I don't know i think it's just boisterous boist i'm so boist acting quite boist on the street of new york uh also notably four kill, kill number, number six. six kill number fucking six mm-hmm. also Mrs. pussy Doubtfire. destroyer <laughs> Return of the pussy. <laughs> That's no moon. <laughs> That's no poon. <laughs> God damn it, it was right there. It was right fucking there. Uh, so now we go on like... Kill streak. Combo. So we hit seven and eight. In the form of cops with an exploding car. Yeah, because he shoots the first one in the chest, and I guess shoots the other one in the engine block. Right, right. <laughs> their SUV just explodes. It's like, fuck! He runs back in. So he, his goal, for some reason, uh, and I guess that's part of the psychosis, is making back to home base is not his home. Right. His home base is where he identifies himself, which is at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sh- Good point. He I like sh- that. He shoots the fucking desk clerk security. <laughs> For, like, no reason. He just, like, walks in and fucking gangs right. him. And he's just, four 
kill number nine. Kill number fucking at nine, death security. And he walks through a corridor and just shoots the janitor. <laughs> this dude made, it was 2000 This dude made maybe $8 I an hour. I was going to say maybe. <laughs> Plus tips. <laughs> Tip your janitor. Tip your janitor. <laughs> Art was here, motherfucker. <laughs> For kill number kill, 10. Kill number fucking at 10. Double digits. Cleaning up. So we we finally get up to his office and he's calling his lawyer and he's just like, listen, you're my lawyer, so I probably need to tell you this. I've killed a lot of people. Probably. I've killed a lot of people. I've, <laughs> I've killed between 20 and 40 people, but who's keeping track? Right. Which just also isn't true because <laughs> we did. <laughs> Uh, the only ones we didn't count earlier was probably about four to five others that were in the apartment. Yeah. Uh, like the bitches that were hanging up there. on the coat rack yeah, yeah. and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Because uh, those were not on-scene deaths, guys. Right. Um, we got we already got lenient on the 1.5 at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Poor dead number two and three. And really, that that was for Sadie. Yeah. <laughs> Sadie. Sadie. It's always Sadie. If you don't get that reference, that was... God, that was episode three, mm-hmm. you know? I can't believe it. Yeah, I know. And you're probably not going to have much longer to listen to that episode, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we try not to put. Say it. Fuck it. Nope. Um, <laughs> we kind of have, like, explain this revelation to me a little bit. Like, once we have this explanation to the lawyer, like, yep. how this actually comes out to the exodus of the rest of this movie. Because yep. I was a little lost. Yep. So, morning routine, he does the same thing. He ends up calling Gene and saying, like, hey, I'm not feeling well. I'm not coming to the office today. Gene finds his sketchbook, which is really his planner, with all of the dead people in it that he's drawn in his, you know. It's like 60% porn, 40% murder. Right. And so that's kind of important because she starts breaking down. She starts, you know, there's an emotional response. It's important to know. And this is what I was going to talk about earlier about Gene. In the book, Gene and Patrick get married and have a son. Right. So Gene's love for him prevents her from revealing this to anybody. We can surmise that only by reading the Internet or having read the book first, Mm -hmm. because that's one of the biggest like pitfalls of this. Okay, he ends up going to. Um, Paul Allen's apartment at some point. And what's so interesting about this is that everything is painted white, everything, new carpet, new everything, and there should have been a dead body with plenty of bloodstains taken out of that at some point and disappearing right. randomly into the ether, depending on what angle the camera's pointing from. Sure. Um, what's important to note about this is the realtor approaches him and he's like, this is Paul Allen's apartment. She's like, no, it's not. And he's like, do you know where he is or something along the lines? And she's like, I think you should leave. You're not here to buy it. So you should leave. You're not here to buy it. You're not my two o'clock appointment. So you should leave. He 100% killed Paul Allen in that apartment. That apartment is such like prime real estate that the real, the realty company didn't give a fuck. They were just (laughs) like, we're going to paint over everything and Mm -hmm. pretend it never happened. Who's Paul Allen? You know what I mean? Right. That's why I don't buy into what happens next. 
Because what happens next is he gets into this conversation with his lawyer in person and they go back and forth. He's like, no, I meant everything I said. And his lawyer's like, oh, Halberstram or whatever, Van Patten or whatever, one of the other dudes. He never calls him Bateman, even though he's his lawyer, you know? (laughs) And he's like, oh, it was a good joke. There was a, there was a plot, uh, there was a loophole in your story though. And that's how I know it was real. He's like, no, why isn't it possible? You fucking idiot. (laughs) You know, the stupid bastard. That whole thing. Because I had lunch with Paul Allen two weeks ago in London, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm about to fuck all y'all up. I'm about to fuck every <laughs> single... Unless there's anything else you want to talk about no, first. No, I've been waiting for this. Okay. There is an idea that none of this happened. That all of this is something that Pat- that Bateman made up in his head. I don't agree with that. The, writer, the writers of this movie, as well as the director, doesn't agree with that. And the writer of the book deliberately left it ambiguous to let other people interpret it. So there is nobody that's had a hand on this that has 100% said, without a doubt, that all of this is made up. Y'all are all doing this to yourself. <laughs> okay, Every single one of those things... He absolutely did. He did commit every single one of those murders. Why is anybody going to believe that Patrick Bateman, this millionaire, multimillionaire, who lives in a multi-million dollar apartment, is the type of person that would kill, you know, hookers or coworkers slash friends slash whoever? Because you were home. Right? Because <laughs> nobody knows who he is. That's what the thing is. He can go by any name he wants to. Nobody recognizes him. People call him different names all the time. Everybody goes to the same barber. They wear the same suits. They do the same job. They're all the vice president of the company. <laughs> nobody knows who he is. And he even echoes this in his final monologue where he says, somehow my punishment still eludes me. This confession has meant nothing. His goal, this went back to the very beginning of the the movie where he's in the car with Evelyn. And she's talking about, yeah, why shouldn't we get married? And he's trying to listen to a, a, a record, right? And he's like, because I want to fit in. Mm-hmm. He blended in so well with this society that he became what he said he was, an abstraction. You may think there is a Patrick Bateman. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman, but I'm simply not there. There's been a breadcrumb trail of this since the very opening monologue of this movie. He killed every single one of those people, and he got away with it because nobody clocked him on it. Mm -hmm. Even the detective even said, I just don't think somebody of your status would kill a friend. I don't think somebody of his status would kill. You know what I mean? He just brushes it off. Case closed. Wipe my hands. You know what I mean? I wish he was a better written character. Right. <laughs> right. The detective. Yeah. Not Bateman, no, 100%. For, for the listeners. But that's that's what I find so funny about this movie is people look at this movie like this deep, and, and it is a psychological horror movie, but they look at it like it has like multiple layers to the iceberg here, and everything's hiding in fucking plain sight. You're yeah. just not accepting what the director gave you. Totally. And even the director said, I just feel like the tone was weird at the end, and that's why it didn't land the way that I wanted it to land. She deliberately left it in ambiguous as well because she wanted to make sure she was doing the book justice and not changing the ending of a story that had an ending you know (laughs) (laughs) but she also wanted people to understand like he didn't make all that up you know what i mean there and there's nothing that suggests that he did there's there's nothing and everything and that's what's so genius about this movie is the legend that it carries with himself about having this incredible plot twist and everything is completely fan-made it's it it doesn't exist you know what i mean and if people want to argue with me on it fucking dm me i'm like i want your smoke and i'm going to send it right back so slide on in like you know what i'm saying it's just and it's so funny to me that this this has a legend like I said, thing about it. 
mm-hmm. and it's completely it, it's such an echo of what the movie was about yeah, right there totally. you know what i mean it's totally. like <laughs> everything is an abstraction it is <laughs> this is not a commentary on masculinity it's presented that way this is a fucking satire of it you totally. know what i mean it, the totally. same about like uh yuppies in the early 2000s in new york city san francisco chicago whatever the fuck you know it, they're, they're making fun of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's so great about it is nobody wants to just look at it for what it is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I fucking like uh, Patrick Bateman's such a fucking alpha. No, he's a psychopath. <laughs> you shouldn't take anything that he says or anything that he does to heart and make that part of your personality. You know, it's like <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. No, and I think that's one of the more fun parts of this movie, if I'm being totally honest with you. I, I was I, hoping you were just going to be like, I disagree with everything you just said. No, and just no, like no. <laughs> counterpunch. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not even to disagree. I, I, not based on what the internet is saying and what the fandom is saying, because I didn't realize the fandom for this was so fucking big, honestly, yeah. for the longest time. This is um, up there with Fight Club and stuff like that. Yeah, and... and it's funny you say Fight Club. That's part of the reason that I felt like maybe none of it did happen. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I think there was a lot of... I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. There were a lot of scenes where it felt not real mm-hmm. to me. Like, again, everybody pulls out their fucking card and they all say vice president. Because you know? it's so surreal. Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and it's and when I look at a psychological film mm-hmm. like this is, I mean, it's psychological horror, it's drama, it's thriller, it's all of this shit. But for me, when I, I, I always try and see what I think is going to come on the other side of that every mm-hmm. time because there has to be some sort of... The other shoe drops. Exactly. That that was Black Swan. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Fight Club. Mm-hmm. It was fucking name a psychological horror <laughs> right. film, you know? And I don't... Medea goes to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Medea's Christmas. <laughs> um, but it was one of those things for me that I and, I... and I think I can attest to the people who have come up with this ending if it's... If it is something that's completely fabricated, like Mm -hmm. you're saying, I think that I can say from this side of it, it was something that tied it up really well Mm -hmm. for a lot of people because it is very open ended. It is very like, does he just go back into the world and Mm -hmm. start shooting people? Mm -hmm. I think part of it, too, is like a lot of people, it's going to be hard to believe that this guy blew up a fucking cop SUV. Right. (laughs) Shot an old Mm -hmm. lady in front of an ATM that has a camera in front of it. Yeah. And just skates off into the sunset with gene yeah and it's not that that's impossible by any means but it's it's just funny to think like of of course that's an option in my Mm -hmm. head that none of this was real and that's kind of what i mean even movies that we watch where something is real i'm convinced that something is not real Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because i was i always feel like they're fucking with me Mm -hmm. like i always feel like the writer's fucking like you're about to get red herringed or something yeah Yeah. exactly and it's just like in, in some movies I get really pissed off when they put a red herring in that doesn't make sense or doesn't like actually jive with what happens in the movie because then it's like you're giving me actual information. Mm -hmm. And that's not what this movie did. This movie was like, this is everything presented in the way that you would see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I do think it's open to interpretation. I also think that 
you know, if you're if you're saying that like the writer and or the actual writer, mm-hmm. not the screenplay right, but yeah. like the actual writer of the story, the director are saying like, hey, like we weren't really doing that. I think that kind of falls back on them. You know what I mean? Like, I do too. And like the director even really came out and like I said, was very open about like, yo, I just feel like I got the tone of this wrong because I feel like it was pretty clear what was happening. But she also like had the, she, she actually quoted in Tarantino. She's like, if I tell you what happens at the end of this ambiguous ending, I'm taking this movie away from you. It sure. stops being what you want it to be. And I think that's the nature of a great director. Number one, somebody who can say that what matters more is what people take away from it than the art itself. Mm-hmm. That's why people paint. That's why people make music. That's why anybody creates art in general is so to leave a lasting impression on somebody. Sure. And if you as the creator take their impression away from them, you're robbing of them of their experience with it. Yeah. And that's really fucking sick to me. But I also would sort of, and I'm not backing down from my position on this at all. Sure, I can totally. also buy into the concept of it being some combination of the two, mm-hmm. right? The same way that he doesn't know how many people he killed because he may not have registered it. It sure. may be made up. There, yeah. all of these things are certain, certainly plausible. I mean, he's stabbing homeless people in the street. Like, I and I saw that happen. Yeah. And I feel like he saw that happen. And I feel like that totally real homeless person saw that happen too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh fuck! <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> so I just yeah I, and I feel like that's because the, the thing is like what's so fucking cool about this is in those closing moments there's an open door behind him that says this is not an exit mm-hmm. and what that is that's again one of those things that oh what does that symbolize but what does it mean it means he's not free from this shit yeah. he didn't get to leave he didn't get to be released pure like by his punishment or by like you know the the mercy of the court you know what i mean <laughs> or anything like that he he has to live with this forever you know yeah. because he like i said is so camouflaged by this mask of sanity that he talks about that he's he's home free forever yeah you know i am one who really loves a conclusion no matter whether it's uh psychological or otherwise right and i think that i get it's art uh, and I know art is subjective for me personally. I just think that like you should be telling a direct message by the end of a movie. And that's what black Swan was. Mm-hmm. It was very direct. I mean, you had to read into it, but it was very like, this is what's happening. This is why this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the mental state of this person. And like with stuff like this, I just felt like there's too much potential energy. There's too much potential energy. Yeah. And like, you really need to be able to say like, not, in an interview after the movie comes out but like give us give us a definitive ending man like i i don't know i and maybe it's the style of writing that i do where i feel like i feel like you owe it to the audience Mm -hmm. you know and like some people love that whole like oh it was left up to my imagination because my imagine my imagination is so much scarier than this and (laughs) oh my god i'm so quirky i have a big imagination i can picture things that aren't real you know everybody does i got news for you (laughs) and and (laughs) i don't think that writing a story and imagination necessarily go hand in hand a lot of times uh, I think they they can, mm-hmm. and maybe this is like a weird hot take on it. But I think if you want to take a story and create something new, I don't think that's one hundred percent imagination because it's all based on things that you have derivatives yeah. of and stuff that you've created off of. Mm-hmm. It's like making music, dude. Fucking Bach has written everything that mm-hmm. will be written in our entire right ever. Ain't but twelve notes, dude. That, that's what I'm you know. Saying. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> There's, there is, in fact, a finite mathematical number of combinations of those notes that exist. 
You know what I'm saying? So that's why EDM's a thing, right? <laughs> right. Because now we're on to beats. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. You can't use a snare drum in that song. I used it in 1978. Okay. Congrats. But no, I think the point of this movie is 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 so much more surface level than people. And I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody's experience. And I'm not trying to exalt myself as somebody who's like, yeah, the quote, great. like good at watching movies compared to other people. But it is a skill set. It, sure. it is something that you have to develop over time of how to find subtext in the literal and how to find literal in the subtext. And and that that takes time and development. And this is just one of those movies that, in my opinion, doesn't have nearly as much depth to it as people want to. I think it's commentary on fucking one percenters that do whatever the fuck they feel like doing in life and can get away with doing whatever they feel like doing in life. Look at the fucking real world for that one, dude. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we'll never see the list of people that went to Epstein Island. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, because totally. because of who these people are, they did get away with it. God and help them kind of, if I find it. And you know what I'm saying? And so it's just one of those things for me where um, I... I I, we're not going to do ratings anymore, and I get that. I love this movie, and this one is up there for me yeah, in terms totally. of rating. I just like the Fight Club better, like the oh, Fight Clubs yeah. of the world better, yeah. because that's real ambiguity to me. Yeah. You know, that's a real plot twist. Yeah, and I also I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a lot of fun every time you watch it. The mm-hmm. pacing is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. There's so much. It's weirdly cathartic, isn't it? It's yeah. almost relaxing to watch it, despite yeah. how chaotic it is. Yeah. And, like, again, the pace of the movie, I think, is also what's calming. Because it's not like I'm spending a five-minute drag on one scene where nothing's really happening. And, again, like, I think there was plenty about this movie that could have been trimmed down. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like there was a lot to this movie where it was, like, the pacing was going great. And, like, it was everything that you needed it to be. But it, again, like I would have maybe cut like two scenes mm-hmm. out of this entire movie overall. And that's saying a lot because mm-hmm. usually I'm just like, oh, you're over 90. Clip, right. clip, 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 right. clip, clip, clip. One hour and 42 minutes. Huh? It sounds like there's 12 minutes of yeah. movie that don't need to be in here. <laughs> I would definitely watch this again. 100%. I would recommend it to a friend. Like Everybody and, needs to see this movie. And yeah. Everybody that likes this is probably like top 100 movies of all time. If totally. I'm making my list, totally. you know, and it everybody needs to see it and i think christian this is one of christian bale's first like big movies Mm -hmm. as well because i don't think the machinist was out quite yet Mm -hmm. um or memento Mm -hmm. which was actually was that christian bale and memento no that was just the machinist um memento was with another dude um i'm having a hard time coping with the fact that the next movie that willem dafoe did was sam raimi's (laughs) spider-man Which is fucking dope. <laughs> Godspeed, Christian Bale. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to edit so much out of this episode because we have gone so high over, but it's been an How absolute... long are we at? Oh, we're at two hours. Nice. <laughs> um, but Eric, do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, not if we're over two hours, no. <laughs> Again, bring the smoke in the DMs if you disagree with me. I got fists too. Yeah, you you have the right to your opinion. You also have the right to catch these hands. That's right. So. Uh, thank you guys once again for joining us at Under the Floorboards, where it creaks, it cracks. You should join our Patreon, and we laugh at the creatures that go bump in the night.